I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. You shouldn't participate in. And whether you want to make it a heaven or hell issue, just be sure that you look at the scriptures that you're going to be seeing tonight and, uh, and, and, and look at it and, and make a decision that I am not going to participate at the Lord's table and at the devil's table at the same time. That is one thing I will not do. Now, one scripture, I've always, I always like this scripture. I've used this a lot. And I hope that sometime that this scripture, will, you'll be able to truly understand what it's saying here because there's been a lot of people through the years that taught a lot of Bible studies, I've dealt with a lot of people, and I've had people who thought that as long as they did not believe what was said, even though it was scripturally based, that they were okay. As long as I don't believe it, I'm okay. Well, this scripture will answer that question in Romans 3, 3 and 4. It says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So regardless of whether you believe it or not, that doesn't change the fact that it's true. All right, that is, that is one thing we need to do. Now, we've got several scriptures, and uh, for the sake of um, time and for looking them up, I'm going to read them off the uh, PowerPoint behind me. I know everybody keeps telling me that we need to get another little screen there, but why in the world are we too lazy to turn around and look at the one behind us? So all the guys on the platform need to be able, it's good for them, for exercise, get their middle down a little bit. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's appropriate. So let's look at Deuteronomy 18. First John, I think you have all those, don't you? Okay, go ahead and put the first one up. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. All right, go to the next one. First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. We don't want people to be tormented, do we? So we shouldn't do anything that causes fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. The next one. I'm sorry, did you lose it? There you go. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now look at this again. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. All right, the next. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. All right, go on. Neither give place to the devil. That's a simple one, isn't it? We don't want to give him a place to reside. Go to the next one. 
Now, I'm going to come back and talk about these in a minute. What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered into sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. All right? Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. It goes to me one more, first, I think it's First uh, Samuel, yes. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. I love ending with this one, especially that part right there, stubbornness. How many out there are stubborn? I'm not looking, so you can raise your hand. All right, that's good. I believe you. Is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. All right, you may be seated in Jesus' name. I'm going to show you a few Hebrew definitions for some of these. Uh, we talked about, um, I believe it was in Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 11, that, that brought out all the various things that we're not to be a part of. And one of those was divination. Now, divination is lying, a lying vision or fortune-telling. So you can look at it, a lying vision or fortune-telling. To pass through is to simply cross over. Now, when you see pass through, they made their children to pass through the fire, that they actually this was a form of, of uh, human sacrifice. An enchanter, to hiss or to whisper a magical spell. A witch to use songs of magic, to mutter magical words, to practice magic. Now Saul, in 1 Samuel 28, verse 3, had put away all that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. But from that time that Paul had refused to destroy not only the Amalekites, but all their goods and brought Agag, the king, back alive, God, from that time, God did not speak to him because he was in rebellion against what God had told him to do. So, uh, and he didn't make his presence known to Saul in any way. And because of this, because of what had happened, because of rebellion, when the Philistines came against Saul, the prophet Samuel, of course, at that time was dead. So Saul inquired of the Lord what he should do about the Philistines. And the scripture states that the Lord answered him not. As a case of rebellion... The Lord would not talk to Saul. He was so used to having Samuel around. Samuel was there. He was his connection with God. Samuel was no longer there. But Saul had been told not to bring back anything from the Amalekites. And he came back in. Not only was he rebelling by doing it, but the spirit in which he did it as well. There is a time, and this is one thing that we'll make a point of at this, at this time. There is a way of doing things that I believe people can make a mistake. They can step over the line, if you would. And if they don't mean to do that, I believe God takes that into consideration in any time that a person repents. But when a person has got a spirit about them, when they say, no matter what you say, I'm going to do it anyway, that is a completely different spirit. That is the spirit of Saul. And that is why God had nothing else to do with him at this time. And because of that, he went out and he began to look. Uh, he sought uh, for something, someone to, to give him a word about the, the Philistines. So he, uh, he went out looking for a witch, the very thing that he had banned from Israel. 
And he looked with one, the Bible says, with a familiar spirit. There are witches out there that don't go quite that far, but believe me, there is no such thing, which I'll come back to this, as white witchcraft and black witchcraft. There is no such thing. It's witchcraft, period. Period. You can go out and you can talk to a tree and say, that's white witchcraft. I can go down and cut down the same tree and, and I'm happy, okay? But, but I'm saying that you cannot, you cannot say that that's okay. You cannot say that because that same person who goes out and casts a love spell on, on Zach Manley back there, and then, <clears throat> where is he? Well, there he is. Okay. That same one that can cast a love spell and say, that's all right, it's still witchcraft. I know I didn't happen to you, Zach. I, I, I just thought I'd get your attention up here with me. I want you to be sure and see me. <laughs> so he went out looking for a witch. Again, when a person rejects the word of the Lord, his journey begins to go down, and it will not stop until he hits the very bottom. It will not stop. Halloween is serious business for Satanists and witches. Those who oppose Jesus Christ are known to organize on Halloween, to observe satanic rituals, to cast spells, to oppose churches and families, to perform sacrilegious acts, and to even offer blood sacrifices to Satan. And as evil prevails, Americans have, have embraced an evil day of Satan with the pranks of, of would-be, uh, using my old form of saying this, hoodlums, uh, combined with demon faces on pumpkins, clothing of death being worn, and calling it fun. Halloween was, has surpassed Christmas and Thanksgiving in popularity. I told my wife, and I, it, every year it does the same thing to me. I came back from I was going, coming back from somewhere the other night it was after dark, and I saw this house all decorated up. And I thought of Christmas decorations. I told my wife, I said, "Man, there's someone's out there, you know, decorating for Christmas." So we went by the house again. She said, "Of course, I don't see very well, don't hear very well." And she said, "That's not Christmas decorations. That's Halloween decorations. A house was done up just exactly like that. You would have had it all done up for Christmas. You know, it surpassed." It has surpassed all of these in just being popular. The newest thing out there is zombies. Everybody's into zombie. In fact, when you go out, you go out to buy ammunition. You know, I like to shoot. You get zombie ammunition. And they charge you an extra five bucks so it says zombie on it. Yeah, that's what they do. Everybody's into this, this, this death. And what is that telling us? That, what, that, that America is thinking in these ways. That America has begun to, to really degenerate into something that we don't want to be, we don't want to be a part of. Absolutely. And this is not just, it's innocent fun. It is not innocent fun. So it surpassed him. And now when Christians participate in Halloween, it sends a message to children that witchcraft and demonism, Satanism and the occult are something fun, entertaining, and harmless. And it is not harmless. It absolutely is not nothing about it. Uh, you know, folks, I, I'm not, I won't go this far into this. I've, I've done a lot of study for a lot of years. I've read a lot of things with, with uh, people that were uh, really into deep into, into witchcraft, into demonism, and that have, been come out, have come out of it and have embraced a form of Christianity and have written things concerning such things as werewolves and, and vampires. And they say that these things do exist. It's just someone who's given themselves over to Satan to, to such a degree that they're possessed by spirits that actually change their appearance. So don't think, and believe me, if you get around someone who is uh, 
been into a lot of drugs, who has been into a lot of alcohol, their appearance is a whole lot different after they clean up. So when you get into evil, evil changes what you look like. So don't, and don't ever forget that. Many years ago, there was um, a, uh, a letter, or actually it was a book written, uh, that one of Satan's most deceptive tactics is to convince people that he doesn't exist. And apparently he has done a good job in his deception. Sadly, many people think of the devil as no more than a symbol of evil, like Santa Claus. He's just a fictional symbol. And many people today also do not think of witches as real people who practice magic, but simply as imaginary figures who represent the supernatural world. Everything that is spooky. You know, recognizing this pagan holiday gives the false impression that what is actually lethal is innocuous. And some children develop a fascination with the supernatural, which leads them later into more sinister occult practices. It's the spiritual equivalent of painting a loaded gun to look like a toy and giving it to a child to play with. That is the same thing. A few years ago, this is one of the things I always like to put out too, because this is, this is, uh, this is near and dear to my heart. Because a few years ago, several years ago now, uh, when all the TV evangelists were falling and all this stuff was coming out, and it made anybody that was considered a preacher, regardless of what you preached, to look like an idiot. Uh, when all this occurred, uh, you know, they, they kept people kept saying, "Well, this is a lot of people accuse Satan of of, posse, of of tricking them, if you would, possessing them or tricking them." Now, I, I want you to I want you to notice something. You think about what was said here. Whenever you tell a child that Satan can trick and cause a man of God to fall. That is giving credit to Satan where credit does not need to be given. Now, I know what Satan can do, but I also know what the Bible says. The Bible says that when we're led away, we fall when we're led away by our own lust. Our own lust. Yes, Satan can put the, the, the right kind of trap out there. We're not ignorant of his devices. He goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the fact remains that whom he may devour. We have to give him permission to devour us. So don't ever, ever say that to a child because all of a sudden this child thinks, wow, there's more power with Satan than there is with God. Now, there are documented instances where child abuse victims become murderers. Every other form of violence, uh, many claim to be Satanists, and, and, and many were a lot of these the violence that you see that's going on out there. You, if you go back and you begin to talk to some of these people later in prison, they, they're interviewed. Uh, a lot of them were involved with such things as the Ouija boards. Uh, and and, and anymore, you know, it used to be back when I was younger, started, the Dungeons and Dragons was big, but now there's all kinds of, of uh, mythological games out there, role-playing, the things that's done on the computer, that you can actually become that particular person that you are, that's on the computer. And, and believe it or not, I believe that that is a form of possession. Because people begin to believe that to such a degree that they think that's what they are. So it's so easy for this, and people spend hours and hours in, in occult bookstores. That's still a big thing. Uh, and a lot of this came from molestation. Uh, I was talking to Brother Hill about a, a person just a little bit earlier uh, that, that I had known and how far down this person had gone. And, and uh, he had, uh, when he was, I think, about 14, 15 years old, he had killed his father. And he'd shot him purposely. 
and he, you know, he had gone down, had gone down, and, and you know, now he's just about as low as a person can go. I mean, the police didn't do too much to him simply because the father was such a molester, such a, he'd beaten him, he'd beaten his mother, he finally just got to the point that he, he had to do something about it. But the fact remains that's carried with him. He's carried all these years with some of these things that have happened. He's carried it and carried it and carried it. And it's, it's taken him down. But, uh, folks, whenever molestation happens, that's why it's so important. It's so important that something like this comes up that it's taken to the proper authorities. Are, are you hearing me? And there's a lot of it that goes on. I don't, I, probably a lot more of it that uh, goes on than what we realize. On the other hand, there's some of it that is not real. I, I understand that. But the, the fact remains that we as God's people, need to be sure that what we are seeing, that we're not doing a form of molestation by allowing our children to just go out. And to me, that's a form of molestation. If you allow that child to do whatever they want to do and get involved in whatever they want to get involved with, to see whoever they want to see, to be buddies with whoever they want to be buddies with, that is a form of a neglect as far as I'm concerned in molestation. Now, if you, if you believe that, you can give the Lord a hand clap of praise because it's the truth anyway. When this happens, it opens up children, it opens up people, young people, to obsession, to oppression, and finally possession. Uh, and when you begin to look at this obsession with something, is you just can't get your mind off of it. And a lot of young people get, they get into the zombies, they get into the witchcraft, they begin to, to dabble in this and dabble until they, they finally get to the point where they're, they're oppressed by it because the Spirit comes and oppresses you. You feel like then you have no choice, and you do that long enough, and that thing will finally possess you. That means it will come in and take residence. So, yes, these things are real, and if Satan can make you believe that he doesn't exist and it's all just for fun, then he's got you. That's what he wants to do. 2001, that's the best I could come up with here, suicide was the 11th leading cause of death in the United States. Suicides outnumbered homicides 3 to 2. Gender ratio is four males to one female. Seventy-three percent of all suicide deaths were white males. Teen suicide was the third leading cause of death among young adults and adolescents, 15 to 24 years of age. The warning signs of teen suicide include obsession with death, poems, essays, and drawings that refer to death. They begin to obsess about this. These are the things that lead them down the road. In fact, some of, even some of the new comic books. Where is Jake? Is he around there somewhere? There he is. And there's a lot of those things that, well, I'm saying there's a lot of those things that really are into the death. A lot of it. I, I knew that uh, you're aware of that because I know how you are, but you wouldn't evolve, but you know about it. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. So, but anyway, there's a lot of it. And some of the things, and I've seen some of some of the things, some of the pictures that are in these things like this are, are terrible. You know, what they do, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing that it's even legal. The origins of Halloween are too scary for some children, traumatizing them, if you begin to look at it. Penn State psychologist uh, says this. He said, it is a striking that on Halloween, death-related themes are intended as entertainment for the very children who adults routinely protect. Um, that's, that's amazing in itself. Um, I don't think he's here right now, but um, and I won't say who it was because you might ask him, but one of the people in our church told me that their neighbor came to him and said, now, I don't want you to be freaked out on Halloween night, said, because we're going to be running chainsaws and all kinds of things at our house to scare the kids. Now, can you imagine that? 
I, I, I wasn't always in church. I, Halloween did, did bad things. Okay. I, I know. I, I wasn't the only one. There's other people in here that did the same thing. But I can't even imagine walking to a door and having someone meet me with a chainsaw. Now, I can't even imagine Can you, I mean, what, what that would do to a child. But we're just going to have some clean fun. We're going to take a chainsaw and pretend like we're cutting somebody up. That's really good, clean fun. <clears throat> but yet, there will be people that allow their kids to be involved in something like this. If I'm going to protect my children or my grandchildren, I'm going to protect my grandchildren all the time. I don't let them go crazy on one night out of the year. Bible says that light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed in John three nineteen through 20. Central to Satan's goals is the widespread acceptance of the supernatural, including the occult. On the part of North Americans, accompanied by a great revival of spiritism all over the world. Over the last 35 years, the occult has moved into the mainstream of America. In television, movies, magazines, business, various aspects of daily life. Movies, books, magazines, encyclopedias of the supernatural have abounded. Entire bookstores devoted to the occult have become common. Universities regularly offer courses on witchcraft and magic, and usually the so-called white variety. And there's myriads uh, of the mystical Eastern religions, bizarre and often demonic, have invaded North America and found, in most cases, an amazing responsiveness as a result of this. And I know I've, I've come to this as something I always do, too. You cannot get these kids involved in kung fu and karate and expect them not to get involved in Eastern religion. That is a mainstay of Eastern religion. Am I right? You were involved in that one time, weren't you? That is a mainstay. They'll get you to, uh, you know, get into the yoga position to uh, meditate. But, you know, meditation, the Bible speaks of meditate. But the, the, the important thing is we meditate on something biblical. Meditate on these things. Give thyself totally to them. In so doing, you shall save yourself and them that hear you. You meditate on the Word. You meditate on good things. You do not meditate or empty your mind. You empty your mind, something's going to come in. You keep your mind on that which is good and holy. If there be any virtue in it, you think on those things. That's what you meditate on. You don't go empty in your mind. You do that, you, you've got a problem. You'll have some thoughts that creep up in you that you never realize were ever there. Because the devil is the prince in the power of the air, and you're like a radio antenna. And you'll pick up everything that's out there. Now, going on. There's increasing uh, the cur in curriculum in many public schools. You know, we all know that the public school system is full of all kinds of, uh, of crud anymore. Uh, you know, for the sake of uh, keeping everybody happy, they're teaching kids about uh, you've got two mommies now and two daddies, the gay part of it. I never could figure that out, gay part. Someone was up here the other day talking about, what, uh, what was it, uh, gay pride? I thought they said gray pride, and I was, I was kind of feeling bad. I didn't have enough gray hair here, so gray pride. But, you know, it is, it, it's, it's sad when we see the school system have taken everything out when it comes to Christianity. In fact, Christianity is being attacked more in our country than anything else. And it used to not be that way. 
It used to be that we were a mainstay, that this was a Christian country. It was founded that way. But now, it's every other religion has got their rights, but when it comes to Christian rights, they don't have any. Now, you can believe that or you can't believe it. It's up to you. You get all kinds of stuff. You know, impressions. The curriculum used in many school districts instructs teachers and students how to cast spells. That's one of them that you can actually find in schools. One teacher manual reads this. He said, to tell the children that a magician has cast a spell on some children. Have them work in pairs to write the magic spell the magician used. Have each pair write another spell to reverse the spell. And have them chant their spells. Do you, do you realize what that is? I'm going to give you something else. Anytime, and this has happened twice that I can remember, when you have someone come to an altar, and a lot of times you think, you know, they come to repent, if they start chanting at an altar, you need to be getting the oil out. You don't ever allow anybody, and that's something I don't think I've ever really said even to the preachers, but a couple of times in my ministry I've seen that happen, they'll begin to chant, and that is because they've been involved in some kind of Eastern religion. That's demonic. It's just that simple. It is demonic. So it's, 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 it's vital, again, to be able to, to understand that there are certain things the devil would like to get into and like to tear the church up in such a way and get people frightened. You know, folks, there should not be one bit of fear in anybody in this place. If we had somebody come down here that was devil-possessed and we cast a devil out, you shouldn't have to walk out. You shouldn't have to walk out. You should be helping on something like that. Satanism has become a phenomenon that crosses the city limit into the rural areas of our nation. It is reported that there are 6,000 witches and approximately 10 million people that are involved in the occult. According, this is according to the Census Bureau. Membership in Wiccan, deity, druid, pagan sex has been skyrocketing up from an unregistered blip in 1990 to uh, into our day almost 400,000. However, it is very difficult to establish how many actually participate. Now, these individuals are involved in a wide variety of activities from simply casting spells to human sacrifice. The newswires carry story after story about young children being kidnapped, only to be found later as victims of some kind of ritualistic crime. That happens more than you know. There's a lot of these things that are even kept quiet. Uh, you see, you see it even now in in, in our area. It's, uh, we've got uh, Halloween night that they'll go in and draw pentagrams in, in graveyards. Uh, they'll go in and and do actually ritualistic trying to summon a demon. This will happen because people are absolutely, especially young people, they are intrigued. They want power. They want power, and somehow that's we've had it. I've had it here. I had one guy several years ago in the old sanctuary that came in was going to bind our service. He, I was told ahead of time that he was coming to bind our service. I knew him. I knew he was, and he had been around the church, but he got involved in Satanism, and so he couldn't bind the service. We had a great blowout service. It was wonderful, and uh, <laughs> I took him back to my office afterwards, and I said, "Why, you know, what are you doing?" I said, well, what are you trying to do? So you know better. And, you know, he's kind of dropped his head. And uh, he said, well, you know, I, I, want, I want some power. And I said, well, yeah, I tell you what, you, you've got a demon with you. I said, why don't you just have your demon jump on me? Sure, it's so powerful. And he, of course, he dropped his head anymore. And I said, you know good and well if you did something like that, the angel that's with me would put you and him both in their place. 
And that's exactly how you need to feel. You don't be fearful of this kind of thing. You don't bow your head down and say, I'm not one of them. You stand up and you tell them who you are and how powerful your God really is. Uh, Rex Johnson told a story. I always thought it was so funny. He, he said that he had something similar to this. This is way yonder back. And, um, he, th- this, this person was heavy into witchcraft. And he was going to come to the service that night. And uh, he, at that time, he knew Charles Mahaney was, was, he knew about all about witchcraft and stuff. So he called him. And he said, he said what am I going to do? He said, he said this, this uh, demonic, occultic, whatever he was, high priest is going to come to my church tonight. And he said that Mahaney told him, he said, well, he's going to put a hex on Rex. <laughs> he, he said, you know, he, he told him what he was going to do. But he said that night the guy did come. And he said he sat on the outside aisle. And he said, uh, he said we got into our worship service. And he said, one of the larger guys in our service that night decided to run the aisles and stop right by that guy and start dancing. <laughs> and he said... He said, he said, the, the ushers told him later, they said, that guy took off out the back. And he said, later on, he said, he, after service, he went back to the usher. And he said, the usher told him, he said, when that guy ran by me, he said, there's too much power in this place. There's too much power in this place. Do you understand what that was saying? Worship indicates there's too much power in the place for anybody to do anything. Come on. That's what that indicates. We're not afraid of that, but we need to be aware that we don't participate in anything that has anything at all to do with it. So as we, as satanic involvement among our youth increases, we begin to see the primary goal of this activity. And according to Scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 and Revelations 12.9, Satan's goal is to deceive man by blinding him to the truth of the gospel and to receive worship for himself, according to Matthew 4.9 and Isaiah 14 and 12. It has become clear that the primary goal is to alter an individual's values and turn him against himself, his beliefs, his family, God, and society. That's what Satan wants to do. If he can turn you as young people... Uh, against your values, against your family, then he'll alter you completely and he'll be able to do with you what he wants. And that, that, that is, that, that's Satan's goal. That's what he's trying to do. The Bible says to be sober and be vigilant. In the original language, that meant to keep awake. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 Young Satanists believe the strong will rule with Satan. Human sacrifices and eating part of the sacrifice will give you more demons. Once an individual becomes involved, they often make a pact with Satan. They commit themselves to a future date which they will take their own lives by suicide. They believe if they submit themselves to Satan in death, they will come back in another life as a stronger being and rule with him forever. And according to recent statistics, 14 young people a day take their own lives. That's recent statistics. 14 a day. Should Christians adopt such practices? The Bible says, be not conformed, or excuse me, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can we borrow pagan customs and superstitions of ancient people and Christianize them? Test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Who can deny that virtually all the symbols of Halloween are evil? 
witches, monsters, ogres, vampires, ghosts, ghouls, goblins, devils, demons. They all portray evil and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. The, the, the sort of, of practices celebrated on Halloween are what defiled the ancient nations, according to Leviticus 18.24. The Israelites were warned against such practices when they entered the promised land. You know, we've been preaching a lot about crossing the river. This is one of the things you need to give up if you're going to get across because you've got to leave that stuff behind. You've got to, you've got to leave it behind. The Bible says that we are, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn of their abominations of those nations. So then, is Halloween just another innocent holiday that doesn't harm anybody? Is it really, really just childish fun? Should the church be compromised by accommodating itself to the culture? In other words, should we have Halloween parties? Next Wednesday night, you want to come in here and we'll put jack-o'-lanterns out on the platform? Hmm? You know, is that what we do? Dress up like ghouls and goblins and all this and, and say, okay, devil, we're going to give you the church tonight. I want him to come to church so we can get a hold of him, yeah, but not like that. But you know, that, that's, that's, that's what you see, and, and, and maybe not so much in what I just said, but the way people think. Their, their thought patterns. You know, should we compromise again by accommodating ourselves? If we don't accommodate ourselves to culture in any other way, why would we accommodate that? Vandalism, wanting just disregard for the property of others, is common on Halloween night. Even normally well-behaved children are driven by unseen forces to destructive behavior. Police officials everywhere report a great increase in, in all these activities on Halloween. Of course, and we, I, you don't hear about it as much anymore. I think there's, uh, it's more open than what it used to be. But we always hear the horrifying accounts of poison candy and, and fruits, booby trap with razor blades, needles, and such things. Such threats are real that many hospitals even offer x-rays for Halloween treats in order to prevent children from being harmed. Who but Satan could inspire such action? Now, you think about that. If this is really innocent, why do those things take place? Why? Let's look at some symbols. I found out a few things that was interesting. <laughs> uh, going way back, you know, and I, and I see this. I'm, I hate to do it, but God knows in my heart. This, this business here, does anybody know? Is that some kind of terrible meaning to it? I know what it really means, but what does it? What, why do children or young people do that? What, what, anybody help me? Does that mean rock on? Do you know what that symbolizes? It symbolizes the goat horn, the goats or rams, and that came from demonism. And it's interesting that it means that because that's exactly what <laughs> Satan would like for you to do. But that is his. Your, Satan has always been symbolized by goat and horns. It's always been. The little goatee, all that used to seem, the horns, he was always symbolized. And a lot of times when you see, uh, you, you see they have the, uh, the meetings, the, the particular covens, they'll have a goat's head there with the horns. That's, that's a symbolized goat horns. What was even more interesting to me was this. You know what that means? Actually, that came from demonism, and it does mean A-OK, but it came from 666. 666 is where that... Everything has origins. 
and we just take things blindly and do them and don't even think about where they come from. And I could stop right here and get into Christmas trees, but I absolutely will not because I just, I'm so, I won't do it. If I ever start preaching on Christmas trees, I'd start from now and go every service all the way through December 25th. Gifts are godly. I'll take all the gifts you want to give, but Christmas trees, that's something else. Okay. <laughs> but that's two of the symbols. That were new ones. Of course, we look at some of them that are very familiar to us, the black cats, for instance. The black cat is also both the witch's familiar or magic helper. Black cat was, was possessed by a demon and was the witch's power source. It is the chief totem or idol of the goddess of Wicca, Diana. In legend, she turns into a black cat to commit incest with her brother Lucifer. It is also a form of the Egyptian goddess Bast. That's where the black cats originate. Ghosts and skeletons. Christians are forbidden to have anything to do with supposed ghosts. In Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 13, Isaiah 8 and 19. The skeleton is a form of the god of the dead or the witch's horned god. Again, we go back to the horns. So that was a type of that. <coughs> the ministry of fear. Um, and now, this is, again, this is some quotations, and I've used this every year, quotations I got out of a, a particular book who was a witch that turned uh, Christian. And she says that haunted houses and trick or treat are deeper issues. The haunted houses are used to frighten children, for, uh, and for a church to sponsor one should be unthinkable. Now, this is what this woman who was once a high priestess who turned uh, Christian, this is what she's saying. Children are very sensitive, and we cannot know what damage we do to them by exposing them to bone-rattling terror. Innocent thrills are one thing, but in many cases, terrifying experiences can open doorways for Satan to come in and mess around with their minds. She said, I know that my first attraction to witchcraft came right after my being utterly terrified during a Halloween night experience. To induce terror in a child is emphatically not a God-given ministry. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind in 2 Timothy 1.7. We are promised that perfect love casts out fear, 1 John 4.18. Haunted houses are the furthest thing from these precious promises, the furthest thing from it. And people within their carnal nature like to be, made, like to be frightened. But on the other hand, when you frighten them, then, then you later on you have to deal with that at night when they have bad dreams. So where do those bad dreams come from? Do we open them up? So where something like that can come in and terrify them continually? It's, it's something that you need to really think about. Far too many former witches, and I'm still quoting, far too many former witches who are now believers share testimonies of having their innocent souls cracked open as kids by Halloween activities and floodgates of hell pouring in. She says this, she said, Hear our warning and offer your children some godly alternative to Halloween. Fear has also become a part of trick-or-treat because of placing again of, of razor blades, etc. in the candy by witches. They're using this to help provide the human sacrifices for Sam Hain, who is Lord of the Dead, and spreading fear through spiritual terrorism. Many witches also fill their candies with familiar spirits, then feed it to trick-or-treaters, hoping that in eating the candy, the child will take the controlling spirit within. 
So then does your child partake of the table of demons? Do they partake of that? Even more fear has emerged recently with the realization of the very real dangers of children being kidnapped for Samhain sacrifices at this season. And she goes on, she said, Our ministry has dealt with several cases of either alleged ritual kidnapping or ritual abuse by witches for Satanists. Now the word fear, now I'm end quote, the word fear in the scripture, 1 John 4.18, is phobos, and it means timidity or shrinking terror, dreadful, terrible, horrid. The word perfect in the scripture is teleos, means adult, goal, purpose, full age, fully completed growth. In other words, perfect fear, or perfect love. Perfect love is full-grown person. When a person has perfect love, it's, it's actually the, the, the perfect love is the sixth dimension. That is the seven dimensions of God is perfect love. And then you get into the seventh dimension is oneness with God. But perfect love is something when a person can face, they're so sure of their relationship with God, that regardless of what comes before them, regardless of what they face, regardless of what the world would throw their way, what a job would throw your way, what a financial difficulty would throw your way, you still have a perfect love for Jesus Christ that will never be shaken regardless of what comes against you. That is something that all of us should be trying to gain. It's something that every one of us should want more than anything else. I want a perfect love relationship with Jesus Christ that will not allow me to ever participate in anything that is harmful. When we are complete and grown in the Spirit, we will stay away from and keep our children away from anything that would strike fear into their heart. If these things were not made light of, then when in reality they had to deal with spiritual attacks, they would know that Jesus will protect and keep them. When they partake in something that would frighten them or diet of horror movies, then fear is instilled into them and love is bound. We are opening a channel for the spirit of fear to rule. Second Corinthians 6.17 says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. In Luke 9.42, it says, Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, then delivered him. Notice how that works. What did he do first? He, he, what he did first was rebuke the unclean spirit. Then he healed the child. How many times are we dealing and trying to get somebody healed when we don't deal with the spirit that you've opened them up to? What they had watched on television, some horror movie, something they can't deal with that. You can't get them healed if they've got this thing riding their shoulder all the time. And it's the same way with deliverance. The deliverance was made separate from healing. He said he rebuked the unclean spirit, he healed him, then he delivered him. And you know, I think a lot of us, we're stopped somewhere in the middle. We don't completely get delivered the way that we need to be delivered. And I believe that's what God wants of us more than anything, to be delivered from this. Fear is a debilitating force. It can cause one to lose the proper perspective of life. It can destroy the very life of a person. It can cause both physical and emotional illness. It can cause one to lose faith in God. If you allow it to go far enough, you can lose faith in God. Now, what I'm going to do is finish this next week because I don't want to give you more than your, your seat can endure. All right? So we're going to start with the negative effects of fear. We're going to get on again to some of the uh, rest of it that I've dealt with, where the celebration came from, the Druids, how it all began with them and how it's affecting us today. All right? Let's stand with me if you would. 
I used to do this all in one night. I'm not going to do it anymore. It, uh, it's too much here. And that way I can add more to it and get a little bit more out of it. So that's what I can do. All right. Let's raise our hands to the Lord right now and let's believe, Jesus, that we're not going to in any way allow what's going to happen and within this next week, the end of this month, to touch us in any way. We are going to worship the Lord. We're going to bless God. We will not be participators in the, in the table of demons. We are going to sit at the table of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and thank you. And we praise and adore you. We are not those that's going to go by the wayside and allow fear to rule our lives, but rather perfect love is going to be that which rules us. I ask it now, God, that you would do this. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Give him a hand clap of that. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I did good. 25 after. And you'll fellowship for the next half hour. Lord bless you.